Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What is God's will? What is God's will? It's a simple question, but it's one of those seemingly inscrutable ideas that God has this secret plan. It isn't a a, a riddle wrapped in an enigma behind heaven's hidden veil. And it's even more mysterious when you start to ask, well, what is God's will for me personally? God has these great big grand purposes for all creation and all history, but what about in my particular case, my job, my relationships, my this, that, and the other thing? Where do I fit in? How do we know God's will? What even is it? We can get ourselves in a little bit of a dither, and I think psych ourselves out with this question of God's will. So let's just take a breath and simplify things a little bit. What is God's will? God's will is the Heavenly Father's desire for His creation. It's what Dad wants for you and me. Simply put, that's God's will. It's what our Heavenly Father, what our great godly Dad wants for you and for me. And in our epistle reading today, St. Paul really takes the guesswork out of what God's will is for us. He says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice at all times. Pray in all seasons, unceasingly. Give thanks in all circumstances. Simple, clear. This morning, I want to ponder each part of those, of that will that's been laid out for us, the rejoicing, the praying, the giving thanks, but also so that you and I might see that in, with, and under those three exhortations, there's an even deeper truth about what the heart of the Father is for you and me. But let's start with that first one. Rejoice at all times. Rejoice always. We've Got it right there. I noticed on the altar, it's the pink candle Sunday. Gaudete, rejoice! But I fear that for some of us to hear that, it can sound like just one more harping harangue from the world that says, hey, cheer up. Get in the holiday spirit already. Okay, I'll do my best. Is that what it means to rejoice at all times? Just to be happy, not worry? Think about the ways that the scripture talks about rejoicing. Again and again and again, the the joy that the Bible talks about is based not on the outward circumstances, is it? Psalm 16, for instance, tells us, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. That rejoicing comes simply by by being in the presence of the Savior. You know, Nehemiah 8.10, which says, don't be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then there's this theme that comes out, especially in the New Testament. James says it. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And then Jesus himself. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be glad. Really, Jesus? Well, it's because the joy that he's talking about, that the scriptures are talking about, God's will for you and me, It's not being chipper. This joy is not mere cheerfulness. Although, of course, there's nothing wrong with that. No, this rejoicing is what elsewhere I've called a defiant joy. It's based not on the outward, but on the inward 
on the presence of Christ in and with you and me. That's where that joy comes from. And so it's unshakable in spite of the circumstances. Uh, there's a great quote from the 20th century, 20th century missionary, Elizabeth Elliot, who said, the secret is Christ in me, not me in different circumstances. The secret is Christ in me, not me in different circumstances. So that we have a joy that is rooted in Christ. Even when everything in our lives and in the world tells us it sure doesn't feel like rejoicing. And I know that for some of you who are here today, in this season, it is a blue Christmas. Maybe it's your first Christmas spent alone. Maybe you're trying to to kick some of the blues that just won't go away. Whatever it might be, whatever place you're in, the Father's heart for you and me is ever and always joy. His joy for us. So know that even when your heart is sad, the Father's heart is glad over you and for you. So that's the first part of this will that's laid out for us. Rejoice always, not just being chipper or cheerful, but knowing that you and I have a joy that is founded and rooted in Jesus. The second part, it says pray in all seasons, or as a lot of translations have it, pray unceasingly. I don't know about you, this is one of those verses that your grandma would always have cross-stitched and put up in the, in the bathroom, right? Pray without ceasing. Sounds great. How in the world can you possibly do that? It seems impossible. Pray without ceasing. But I think it seems impossible when we have a particular understanding of what this prayer is talking about. When you think of praying as a thing, one specific thing that you have on your schedule, on your to-do list, right? Like grocery shopping, okay? So I've got grocery shopping. That's a thing that I do. And praying, that's a, a thing that I do. And that's good. I think it's really good to have a time on your day that's set aside for devotion, for meditating on God's word, for letting it dwell richly within you, for talking to him in prayer. But listen, praying is not just a thing you do. It would be crazy if I said to you, you know, go grocery shopping without ceasing, right? You're like, well, it's important, but I do have other things to do. I've got a life, right? See, praying, as Paul's talking about it here, God's will for you and me, is not merely a thing you do, it's the air you breathe, right? It's that continual conversation between you and your Heavenly Father and the, and the power of the Spirit. And when we put it that way, well, if I were to tell you, breathe without ceasing, you'd say, well, yeah, <laughs> how could I live if I don't? So also in this kind of praying, it's the praying that happens in the course of your day that's woven through the, the warp and woof of everyday life. Practically speaking, what does that look like? Let me just give you three quick thoughts. One, people have talked about arrow prayers. And arrow prayers are just whenever you have a particular anxiety that comes up, an uncertainty, something that you're, you're troubled with, or maybe it's a, a person that suddenly pops into your head. Those arrow prayers are when you, uh, you offer up just those quick one-line prayers to the Father. Father, I'm thinking about this person. Please be with them. I don't know what they're going through right now, but we pray them into your hands. A second thing is what's been called the Jesus Prayer. This is an adaptation of the prayer prayed by the tax collector, a parable of the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Jesus Prayer says, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or even just simply, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. The Jesus Prayer. 
It's one that you can just pray and breathe out throughout the day. I remember 20 years ago this month, I worked for UPS. I was in brown, if you can picture it. They needed extra help delivering packages. And I'll never forget what I, I most remember throughout that season, other than just how fun it was to be running up to people's doorstep. Everybody's happy to see the UPS man, right? Nobody's unhappy to see him. But that was that first winter when I had learned the Jesus prayer. And I was able, I just was in this continual communion with the Father, offering that up. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. There's real power in that. And the third thing is, I encourage you to turn your inner monologue into a dialogue between you and God. All of us have that inner monologue, that ongoing conversation that you're having with yourself. Don't pretend like you don't. But what if we were to turn that inner monologue into a dialogue? to invite the God who already knows all of our thoughts and all of our anxieties, to invite, them, invite him into that, to continue that conversation with the Lord. Just three simple ways in which we can pray without ceasing, like the air we breathe. And the third part of this will of God that St. Paul so helpfully lays out for us, the first one to rejoice at all times, to pray in all seasons. This third one, I'll be honest with you, for me, might be the toughest nut to crack. Give thanks in all circumstances. It's tough, not practically speaking, it makes sense, but emotionally, spiritually, really? In all circumstances, give thanks. How could I possibly do that, Father? There's so many things that happen in my life, those, those frustrations, those things that I don't want to give, be thankful for, but instead I'd rather grumble about than be grateful for. How could I do it? And then I remember St. Helen. I'm talking about a dearly departed member of our parish, Helen Cedarholm. And for those of you who have been around, you've heard me talk about her before. Perhaps you remember Helen. She passed away three years ago this month. And Helen had a life in which she had every reason to be bitter and resentful. She was born during a pandemic, a hundred years ago, the Spanish flu pandemic. And she lost her father during the Great Depression. It was just her and her mom. And she liked to tell the story of how after they're walking away from their father's funeral, her mom is saying to Helen, sis, we don't have two nickels to rub together. And then Helen looked down and she found a nickel. And she said, now we do. But that was her attitude. She was just boundlessly joyful and hopeful, praying unceasingly, even though she lost a husband. And a second, she was a widow twice over before she was 60. She lost her daughter, and as she lived her life, her very long life, she made it to 100. She saw friend after friend go. There was so much about her life that Helen could have been bitter and resentful, but instead, she was grateful. And I remember how every time when we would visit together, we'd spend time talking and praying and celebrating the Lord's Supper, but every single time before I left, she would reach out her hand and grab me. And even though she was a 100-year-old old lady with a frail little hand, I tell you, that grip was strong. She'd reach out and she'd grab me with tears in her eyes. She would say, Pastor, who's going to help me count all these blessings? How could I possibly count up all of these blessings? Give thanks in all circumstances. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should, at all times and all places, give thanks. Having said all this, though, of rejoicing at all times, 
praying in all seasons and give thanks in all circumstances. I'm uh, fearful that you might miss the forest for the trees, that you might miss the real key that underlies all of this. It's easy to read that, to hear that as just like a checklist. Okay, I want to fulfill God's will. Here's what I got to do today. I got to rejoice. I got to pray. I got to give thanks. I can probably knock that out by 9 a.m. If you hear it that way, though, you're, you're missing the key and the real heart of the Father for you and me. And the key is in that simple three-letter word, all. All. Rejoice at all times. Pray in all seasons. Give thanks in all circumstances. See, the, the Father's will is for you and me to have a, a joyful, prayerful, thankful existence under His blessing. In other words, what the Father wants for you and me is that you would be wholly His. That you would be wholly His. That's what He really wants. Don't miss it and think that to, to live under the Father's will is just to do some kind of checklist. No, what he wants is you. To this end, he sent his son into our flesh in order to make you and me his own, that you might be his own and live under him in his kingdom. That's what he's after. That's what he's about more than any particular thing, any attribute or characteristic or action. What he wants more than anything else is for you and me to be wholly his. And to that end, our text has a prayer and a promise. And the prayer, this benediction, blessing, is so beautiful. It says, now may the God of peace, the God of shalom, the God of wholeness, may this God of shalom himself sanctify you wholly, that your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a prayer for you and me that we would be wholly his. And if that still feels like a task that we have to perform, some insurmountable mountain we have to climb, then hear this promise from the Father for you and me. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will surely do it. That's what dad wants. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing the offertory as our ushers bring forth the offerings.